Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Adventures in Angular. Uh, today I'm your host, Aaron Frost, and we have a first-time co-host panelist, Brian Love. Say hi, Brian. Hey, what's up? Yeah, and we have our today's guest, Amir. So, Amir, can you say hi and introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, hi guys. Basically, I'm a full-stack developer. I'm working mainly with Angular, but I also have some experience working with React and Redux. Currently, I'm working for a company called Logs.io. It's a company that provides an intelligent log analysis that combines the ELK stack with some advanced algorithms and machine learning to help organizations and companies to extract valuable insights from their mostly unreadable logs. Now, if some of you are unfamiliar with the ELK stack, I recommend to look it up on Google. It's really a, a big buzzword in the organizes field. And that's what you, you spend your days there, huh? Yeah. Mostly. And your nights? Also, almost every night. Oh, yeah. He's committed. He is yeah, committed. So before we dive into what Amir is here to talk about, I'm going to back up a second, and I want Brian to introduce himself. Brian's uh, a friend of mine. He's, he's a new GDE. Uh, he That's got right. it recently, but I want go ahead and introduce yourself, Brian. The, the listeners haven't uh, met you before, so go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the uh, CTO. That's Chief Technology Officer for Brebug. We're an Angular consulting firm in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have a lot of big clients here in the front range, um, and we uh, have... Uh, the pleasure of working with Aaron occasionally as well. And uh, I just became a GDE in Angular like two weeks ago, I think, October yeah. 12th, maybe. Yeah. So happy to be here. Cool, man. So just for the listener's sake again, what does CTO stand for again? Chief Technology Officer. Gotcha. So basically, Some of them might not I, uh, know. Some of them might not know yeah, well. yeah, fair enough. So I oversee all the engineers at our company and help guide the technology and, you know, kind of architect a lot of our software that we're doing for clients. Cool, man. Well, awesome. Uh, so everybody, that's Brian. On Twitter, you are at BLove or what's your... It's uh, at Brian underscore love. At Brian underscore love. Okay. So if you yeah. want to chat with Brian on Twitter, it's Brian underscore love. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Amir, you are the guest of honor. Everyone's here because of you. What are we here to talk about today, man? I want to talk about, let's say that you alone receive a project to build a web application, a whole web application. How do you approach that and how do you start? Where do you end? What do you do? That's what I want to talk about. That's what we're here. All right. What? That's a lot, dude. It's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, <laughs> that is a lot. That's basically more than one podcast. 
So we're gonna have to keep this high level. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're gonna, we have to stay out of the weeds, otherwise we're never gonna finish. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. uh, so I read one of your recent blogs. You published it last week about Crossfield validators. I actually had just barely done the same thing a few weeks, a few days before I read your blog. I thought it was funny. I mean, you solved it the exact same way and we were solving the exact same problem. So that's cool. So yeah, I, I actually, I recently met you through your blog right before we had a podcast together. So, so starting your own app, why don't you give us some of your ideas on this, Amir? I recently had a project, side project. I needed to build the stock management platform. And I've had, also had a few challenges aside from making the application from scratch. Because I, I received an old application and I had to build my new application to coexist with the old one. There is, they both share the same database. They both have, have to share their data. So I somehow need to, to create a new application with new technologies and still stay backwards compatible with the old system, specifically with MySQL database. Mm -hmm. But basically what I want to talk about is how do you even approach to choose a database? How do you create layers, if you create layers, create multiple microservices? So that's the project that I, I worked on. And my first question was, how do you choose the say for the client? We basically want to know, see, to give the customer what he want, what he will see. So how do you choose the client-side technology? Will you choose Angular? Will you choose React? Will you choose Vue? Will you choose anything else that is in the market right now? And how do you do that? Have you done that research in your companies? Yeah, and it's, I think it kind of changes a little bit per company. I'm kind of biased, <laughs> but uh, here's a fact. I used to work on a giant team and like 60 people all committing on the same single page app. So it was a big team. And um, we were using AngularJS 1.5. And I think they're still using that. And what I know about that is that it worked. And is not the. It, we all know it's not the fastest framework. It's actually not the easiest to maintain either. But we all know, I, I mean, it worked. And so at a certain level, I think they all work. And if anyone tried to say to me, this one prevents me from doing what I need to do, I would kind of yeah. laugh at them. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if you can't do what you need to do in any of those three, right? Like if someone told me, I got to go to Vue because React doesn't do the thing I need to do. I'd be like, what? What, like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you what trying are you to do? Doing? Yeah. React doesn't fulfill that need. Like, I, I don't think that you're, that you're right. I think you're wrong. I think you're being hyperbolic and I think you're going, you're using extreme cases as a norm. But I don't know. So I, at a certain level, I... Uh, I think they're all fine and they can, you can accomplish what you need. Cause let's be honest, we all accomplish cool stuff with jQuery plugins when we had no framework, right? Like, <laughs> That's right? So we don't need a framework necessarily to do cool stuff. And so when people tell me framework stopping them, I'm like, well, I just, I agree to disagree. Uh, you just need to think about it differently, but inside that everything's probably fine. I have some biases that steer me towards angular. So but I, I, every company is different. So Amir, what do you think? What, what, yeah, what are some of the things you use to decide? Actually, 
don't have preferences or considerations and just try to build some applications with the technologies. You see how it goes, how easy it is to create components, to create a simple application, to run with it, to create some more complex things. And then I choose the more scalable and maintainable framework. Do you think that one framework is more scalable or maintainable than the other? Uh, not necessarily. Let's say in React, you create the component with everything inside one file, right? You have only one G JSX file with everything in it, CSS, HTML, and JavaScript. Yeah. So it's really easy to split your code into real small components, and you do it really easily. And if you go to Angular, you have to separate every component to you um, CSS file, HTML file, uh, JavaScript or TypeScript file. Also, you have to create modules and more overheads. And I think that's a little bit of consideration, a small consideration from maintaining and creating like how easy it is to create the application, especially if it's a big one. Sure, but like in Angular, you can put it all in one file if you want, right? I mean, you don't have to have a template file and a CSS file or SAS or whatever you're doing, right? You can put it all in line, right? Aaron, you do that. But then, but then you're not using the Angular abilities. So Angular is really, really powerful with the shadow doming and the splitting of concerns. And I think it will be a little bit... So when I write Angular components, when I generate them, I do inline styles and inline templates because um, one of the things that I learned from React is that I like my code and my style. Really close, right? Yeah, I like my HTML and my style in the same file as my, as my component. And so granted, there's differences between the two, but I did learn that. Like, I like that about that. I like single file components. Sure. And I think that that's important to have single file components. Single file components promotes, it promotes, getting frustrated if it gets too big and then you have to break it out into a smaller file, like, which is what you should be doing anyway. But when you put it all in one file and it's like, Oh dude, this is 500 lines long. It's like, yeah, it's time to make. It's time to make components more, yeah, yeah. Be constructed into more, you know, uh, yeah. Components. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Multiple at that point, 500 is huge. So that's, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's one of the things I like. But to Amir's point, I mean, he also brought up module. What were you kind of thinking there, Amir, in terms of like modules versus like React and Vue? As far as I'm aware, they don't have this concept of a module. Is that right? Uh, not that I'm aware of. But again, I'm not that an expert in, in React and not, especially not in Vue. So I'm afraid I cannot answer this. I think in React and Vue, you have the word module for them means what it means in javascript which is in the s6 module you yeah. have a file that exports yeah. Um, yeah yeah they don't have an ng module yeah exactly yeah so, or an equivalent yeah sure yeah so considering i have my opinion here and, and i shared it earlier this week and actually i was talking with joe who's normally a panelist on the show and um he made a good point which is on a certain level we're all kind of, the, all of the front-end frameworks are kind of the same. Like, yeah, you do them differently, but you're getting the kind of the same thing. And like, like Angular prescribes way more of the options for you, whereas React yeah. lets yeah, you sure. pick and you kind of, you can pick some of the other pieces that go into the stack, right? But 80% yeah. of the people are picking the same pieces. And so uh, for most people, it's like, 
it's as prescribed as, as an angular and, and views very similar, their community anyway. And there's some people on the edges of all three of those that are, that are picking non like community um, standard. Library. Right? Yeah. And so what he said was like for angular, it's basically like saying, Hey, you have to pick to ride this kind of a bike. You have to pick a Schwinn. Right. But in, in, in like a reactor review, they're like, well, you can pick the Schwinn or you can pick the Huffy. Right. And everyone's yeah. like, well, I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick the Schwinn. I, and, and everyone's like, dude, look, I got a Schwinn. Right. And at the end of the day, the choice that you got was, it meant something. Right. And it like sure. not being forced meant something to some people. And, and that's an intangible that some people really appreciate. I will say the nuance of that is lost on me. And having been on teams where people take that freedom and pick the Huffy <laughs> and totally destroy the app, I don't yeah. appreciate. And I don't think management does regularly appreciate people's innovations, like creating things that already existed. Like, yeah. Like, Imagine if someone was like, hey, none of the frameworks do what we want. We got to build our own. Like, like at a certain level, like there's like uh, there's an extreme like that's the extreme of none of them work. I better build my own. But some people like to chop things up and make their own versions of them. And and it's like, really, should you be doing that? Does your boss really want to own one of those when there's a perfectly good open source community maintained version? You know, like, I don't know. So I don't, I don't like, I don't appreciate the freedom necessarily just because it will be used and it will usually be used incorrectly. So basically, basically what you mean here is it doesn't matter which technology you use, they all do the same thing and it just affects the way you write the application. Yeah, your patterns and practices are huge. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think that's generally true. I mean, I think, you know, if, if we're talking about the three popular frameworks out there right now, um, I think they, they get a lot of the same feature sets, right? The way you do it might be differently, whether that's with dependency injection or importing modules and, and kind of how you build things. But one of the reasons why perhaps my tendency is towards Angular is I like the opinionated approach to, to a framework, right? So if I'm going to use an HTTP client or, you know, I need to do an HTTP request, uh, you know, with React, I've got to basically go out there and figure out which one I want to, you know, which one I want to use and which one I'm going to bet on, so to speak, that it's going to be a long-term viable option for my my application. Um, now, I would say, like like you said, uh, Aaron, I think most people tend to pick the same one, right? So whether that's Axios or, or whatever it is in the React community. But I like the opinionated aspect of Angular. And I do think you get a lot of the same, you know, change detection, uh, you know, components and, you know, properties and whether we call them, you know, whether they're called props or they're called inputs or, or whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, you're getting a lot of the same feature set, I think. And I think it probably comes down to a lot of personal preference in terms of which one you kind of follow the most, so, or use the most. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, what else you got for us, Amir? Let's talk a little bit about the UI. Okay. Have you ever had to design a UI for someone or maybe you see the design designer and there was something missing and he had to like tweak things how do you choose what to put in the in the ui that is how do you build the ui for the user that will be the nicest and simplest and the most comfortable for him 
Don't you just use Bootstrap so it looks like every other website out there? <laughs> yeah, but still, you still have to, to, to create the, the page, right? You have the components, but you have to put them in, the, in places and make it look sleek. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you start thinking about the, the layout? Yeah, that's a good question. How have you kind of tackled this problem? I've created many versions of time. I started to create something. I ran along with it. So it actually goes somewhere that I don't really like and started from scratch. I had to say it, but I had to start again just because it doesn't really feel right. That's me. I'm kind of uh, the enemy of the starting over thing. When I read a lot of the parts of Lean Startup, I realized, yeah, that's uh, that stuff identifies with me. And as I worked at a at a big company, one of the things I noticed was you had a lot of engineers who could start a project, right? Re- really, any engineer can start a project. Am I right? Like any engineer can say, "Yeah, I'll start this 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 piece." But I realized, you know, only the most expert and choice team members have what it takes to get them and their team to actually ship a feature. And I mean, fully ship it, not just like get it 80% of the way there and it's good enough. And like, let's just get it out the door. But I mean like the last 20 yards as well, not just the first, not just the first 80, but the final 20. Right. And, and I think it takes a lot of poised decision-making to say, I want to rewrite this, but I'm not going to right now. I think that's, I think that's a senior level decision. Sometimes you're like, listen, this does need to be rewritten. I know, I know, I know a hundred things now. I didn't know when I wrote this, but I still need to ship this code. Like I still have to ship this product. So I'm going to, I'm going to postpone my, my internal want to rewrite. So I've always kind of been a bigger fan of, of not, not rewriting as much as possible and taking what you got and, and uh, moving on. But that precludes, I mean, that you started with good patterns and practices. If you started with bad patterns and practices, well then you're going to have to rewrite before you get to the finish line. Anyway, there's no way. So um, that's why kind of like what you said, Brian, I like the, the prescriptions from angular and like it is very opinionated. I like that opinion because it helps you start right. And it, it gives you less ability to deviate, which is, I think, valuable. So, yeah. But, I mean, there's so many aspects to that question, Amir. Like, uh, how, do you, how do you do your CSS? Like, are you using SAS? Are you using BAM? That's not what I'm talking about. Actually, oh. about uh, let's take, for example, material design. Okay. They say mostly that if you have a main action in the page, you put a floating button to the side, to the bottom side. Correct. Yeah. Then it's one less thing to think about. You actually have the main button, main action floating for the user everywhere. So things like that. How do you how do you create the, the layout of the user in the page? That's the design I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the actual inner technologies where I use Pub. Yes, or SAS, less, or things like that. Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. 
This is Charles Max Wood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. So how do you make those decisions, Amir? Uh, so in this uh, application that you had to kind of do a rewrite on, you know, how do you approach that decision? I mostly look through web pages uh, out there in the internet, and I get inspiration. I see something I like. I try to think what I like there. How can I apply it in my design and start sketching things? and see, okay, I have this component, will I have this component built in a library, let's say angular material, and if not, what can I do to, to how, how long will it take, how much resources will it take to create such a component, will I have, do I need a substitute for, for it for, for just for now? I, that's mostly what I do until I get prototype, and here I have a decision to make, whether I, I go with it and start to, to type, to code, and to run with it. And I have the risk that something will not match, not fit. Or maybe I just go and, and find you this prototype and make it an actual a screenshot-like. That's mostly what I do. Huh. Interesting. So are you... Like using a, a tool, are you using like Sketch or something to come up with your initial kind of UI design, or are you just going right at you know kind of prototyping things out with Material? For the mocha thing, I'm using Balsamic Mocha. Okay, and it helps like it really helps creating the basic layout. I need a button here, I need it there, a title. Yep. I don't really care about how it looks. Like I need to know. What will I have in the UI? What will the user be able to click and to, and to interact with? And later, I, I can either use Sketch to actually put, put components, material components, or other components to uh, look like the material components to actually receive uh, a picture that is as close to real as can be. So yeah, I I like the the wireframing step, like the balsamic mockup thing. Yep, uh, I think it's a good step. Uh, I just worked on a project recently where the client had a designer, right, a UX, and the UX person was in charge of working with the client to get the mocks like like made and like approved, and then once it was approved. The the designer would then create all the HTML and CSS for for those features, and so I actually got spoon fed HTML like fully formed, like perfect to mock HTML and CSS. I'm not familiar with that. How do you, how do you receive HTML and CSS for the design? Do you, do you take the the code and put it inside components? Would you receive it? No, we don't receive the components, right? No, so like the, the, the designer would take the entire screen and he'd, he'd, he'd build the entire screen, which is HTML and CSS. Then he'd give it to me and I'd have to take it 
chop it up into components, yeah. make sure all the CSS still got applied, conditionally put on like error tags and like show and hide some things given an error state or not. But I essentially got like the whole like HTML CSS framing given to me. And then I just had to wrap it up inside of components and, and, you know, like componentize it. And so it was actually, I was able, it went amazing. Like after that, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't ever want to have to write the CSS. I, HTML. <laughs> I was able to just focus on routes and components and reusability. The Angular stuff. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Fine, so, yeah. All yeah. Directives, whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it was, it was actually really, really nice. So, um, that was one of the, the funner things I've done recently, but I suppose it also depends on the quality of what you're getting back from your designer too. Right. I mean, you know, I've seen people kind of maybe use Photoshop to like slice up a thing and gen out some HTML and, and whatever. And you're just like, what am I going to do with this? No. So hopefully if the HTML that you're getting back from your designer is, is, uh, you know, quality and, and works well for you, then I can see there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. There's so much going that goes into building an app from, from scratch. I will say this, I will say this. It sounds to me like Amir is, is like 10 levels above me when it comes to formulating your own design. I'm just not a good designer. Like, you know, I think it's valuable to accept your strengths and your weaknesses. And I'm just not a designer straight up. I'm not. Um, me neither, me neither. I can, I can take a design that's given to me and I can make an app that looks like that, but to, to have a concept of what looks good, man, I, I got nothing. Like I'm literally just, I just stare at a screen and I have, I don't even know what to start doing. Like it's crazy. So I really, really, really uh, appreciate having team members that can design as well as yeah. a, a, a solid designer because I'm so worthless at it. So do you write, you don't write CSS and the HTML for the for your feature for your application? That's uh, working in your team. Yeah. Are you writing only the logic side of the application? <laughs> Having to writing a few components on the logic side and then someone else will Right, the HTML, and CSS side. Um, only, only on the most recent project. I've never had a project like this most recent one before. And really, the designer didn't own the HTML and CSS. He just initially wrote it, yeah. and then gave it to me. And then from then on out, I own it. Like I it have to. Yeah, it's in components, and the designer is not going to know how to to update that because he's not an Angular engineer. Um, so if he needs updates to his design post, it's handoff to me. I got to go and make those changes. But in the past, I've always, you know, probably like most engineers, you just get a design, whether it's a, a sketch or even a PNG, and you just got to make it look like that, you know? Yep. You got to make things that look like what you're given. And so, and that's that's what most of my career has been, is that. I've, But I've never had a scenario where, like this last project where, I don't have to write the HTML and CSS. It was actually pretty nice. So I will say HTML and CSS got, for me, like 762 times easier once Flexbox came around. But uh, yeah. prior 762, to Flexbox, exactly. 762, like precise. I around it. No, there's a fraction. There's a decimal. I know it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> Uh, Flexbox really, for me, changed how yeah. much easier it is to lay down some tracks, 
and uh, get an app that looks good because without that, man, it's a nightmare for me. I realize there's some well, people that are breaks and all oh, that stuff. Geez, oh, absolutely man. positioned rubbish. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Relative positioning. Get out of right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, the design side of like the laying down the tracks for HTML just got a lot easier once I started working on projects that didn't have to support non-flexbox enabled browsers. So, so right. Yeah. Which thankfully is very little now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. IE. So well, even IE eleven has Flexbox support, right? So you're yeah. good. Yeah. What do you do with tables? Tables do not support flex layout. They that's don't. Really, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is. I suppose if I if I really had like heavy heavy needs for a table, I may look and see if CSS Grid would solve some of my problems but otherwise i'd probably just use a styled table for an actual tabular data i'd probably just use a table. Yeah. i'd probably just use like ag grid or materials there you go. or something like that there you go yeah so a lot of things like i've used like on this recent project prime ng before that i used clarity by vmware before that i've used in-house components and material design so pretty much everywhere i've gone when i needed a table it already existed and i just needed to figure out how to integrate with it but yeah so to the point i don't spend a lot of my time rebuilding components that exist somewhere else it's just too expensive i think it's a fool's errand to own your own component library because it's like in angular one of the things i love about angular why i push people to is they also own my webpack build and when I watch people around the world owning their Webpack build, I think, man, you're crazy. Like, that's it's ridiculous that you own your Webpack build because I know how much time it takes to own your Webpack build responsibly. Like, to do an effective, perfect Webpack build is hard. Yeah. So I've, I've handed that off, and I'm like, yeah, dude, own that. And the same thing applies here as well. Like, I like that that's – I like that there's component libraries that already exist. Let's hand that off. Let's use those components in our app. Just so we can focus on building the app the customers want, not the components, right? Because owning components really is, it's where projects can go to die, man. And, and, and every, one of my, every one of my friends who's from Domo, who's listening, is just like shaking their head right now. Like we owned our own in-house component library and it's, it's balls, yeah. man. It's, it's a fool's errand. It's just not good. And keeping it up to date and accessibility. I mean, even if you build it on the CDK, it's still hard, right? Yeah, and, and and when you want to upgrade Angular or TypeScript or RX, like, dude, are my components going to work? I don't know. Probably yeah. not. And so your upgrade just got 10 times harder because you own all the components as well, like all the, uh, the component lib, which is what your app's built out of. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't really build tables or modals or dropdowns unless, I mean, rarely there's going to be a need to do that kind of stuff, but yeah. Yeah, if you've got a really specific requirement that you need to fulfill and you absolutely can't get something out there that does it, mm-hmm. then, you know, create a, a library and bring it in either with Angular 6 workspaces or NX or whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and But then you, you're right, you still, you own it, right? And so... Yeah, forever. Yeah. It's technical debt, man. It's in, it's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Someone's got to maintain that sucker. So, yeah, I totally 